Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right, welcome back to the Deepen Podcast. We are once again joined by our live audience. Hey, everybody. All right. And this is a fun thing to get to do. And Pastor Joby, from the outset, this podcast has been about one thing, deepening your relationship with Jesus, right? That is right. And, and oftentimes, I mean, part of the idea was there's a lot of things, uh, you know, when you preach that, that get cut and there's questions people have. And we would have conversations about text like this. Yes. And so basically we just have recorded them now and let everybody listen to the kind of things that we would say. Yeah. And uh, we don't really care how long it is. We just want to help people dive deeper into following Jesus better, right? Amen. Amen. So we are in a series called Live Abundantly, and this is the third week, and all about friendships, all about relationships. So let's kick it off. Friendships. Man, I had a mentor for years. One of the people who made the most significant impact in my life would say, everything in life, the most important thing in life is relationships. And uh, the older I get, the more true that that is for me. So friendships are really, really, really precious. Who are some of your best friends, and why do they mean so much to you? Pastor Britt? Some of my best friends are at this table. That's right. And uh, I think there's something to you. Um, not all of them. I have other best friends. I think about my, my friend Joel. Uh, he, he's, he and I have been really tight for 10 years. He didn't live in Florida, but we stay very close and... Pastor Joby, you talk about it in regards to corner carriers. That's right. You know, I remember... Toters, I believe. Corner, <laughs> corner toters. toters. <laughs> we just make up words here, toters. Um, they're good words, though, and they stick. They do. And um, I remember one time I was, having a, I was having all these medical problems, and my wife had a single-digit week old at the house, and we needed some folks to, like, stay at the hospital with me. To And my friend Joel was like, I mean, he just stayed there with me for days. Mm. And uh, that's the kind of that's the kind of friendships that are just like God breathed. But I think there's something significant to f- Christian friendship that is uniquely different in the world. And that's this like when our bonds are united in mission. That's true biblically authentic community. And it's not just we like each other. It's not just we appreciate each other. But we are on the same mission, heading in the same direction in Jesus' name. There's a, a bond that's forged in that, the common union, if you will, that we have in Christ is, um, is significant. And so I, I think that that's, that's something that I'm hoping is a fruit of not just it, of the 1010 life over the next handful of years is like true Christian familial fa- brotherhood uh, um, among the folks that, that call 1122 Home on a Mission with us. Yeah, so. I think a significant difference between like godly friendships in Christ versus friendships in the world is that the world, I mean, you're fundamentally thinking, what can you do for me? It is. What can you do for me? Do I like me better with you around? Mm-hmm. In, in the gospel, the fundamental question is, what can you do with me? Mm-hmm. Because we're all going to head towards a great commission, and so let's link arms to do that thing together. Mm-hmm. Which is a is is like a a garden for an incredible relationship to grow because the relationship isn't the point; it's a means to an end. Right. Not to mention, if you took if you take out relationships, about ninety nine percent of the Bible doesn't make sense, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. the thing that the 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 arena 
in which your love for Christ has played out, it is in relationships. I mean, you talk about the one another's all the time. You know, yeah. How, how can I prove that I'm, I'm loving or patient if there's nobody else around me to be loving and patient with, you know? You know, and, and people will know this, but the, the era that I was brought up in in regards to like formal training as a church leader we were taught you can't be friends with the people that you're ministering with because they all work for you, and so you can't be friends with them. And you can't be friends to the people that you're ministering to. And, and they had this whole thing built out about, like, you're a shepherd and they're sheep, and that's different. And I'm, I can remember thinking, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. There's, there's most of what I heard in seminary, I, I felt that. And I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to do it that way. They did. They talked about the pastor's mystique and how, like, you're, and I was like, that is the worst thing. Jesus was literally called his disciples friends. Like yeah. he's, it, they didn't have to infer it. In John, he goes, I call you friends. So if that's the way he led, then why in the world would, would we not lead that way? And man, God is incredibly gracious to me on a number of different levels, but one of his greatest graces is the friends mm -hmm. that I have right now in my life mm -hmm. and that I've gotten to have a bunch of our staff folks. I mean, you know, four of my corner toters, Lars Peterson, that guy's been the most influential man in my life over the last 12 years. And even though he's 20-something years older than me, it's this weird, uh, I mean, he's an elder for sure, but man, he is, he is an incredible friend. He would do anything for my family at any time. He's incredible. Ben Williams, been friends with him for a long time. Mm -hmm. Got to walk through a lot of stuff, you know, yeah. with him, especially in the last couple of years. A couple of, like, newer friends, um, Charles Martin. At just the right time, God put that dude in my life, and he just happens to be my neighbor, and he loves to bow hunt with me, and he's good at writing books with me, so <laughs> that helps. And then Jeff Cop. Jeff Cop ran our prison ministry for a bunch of years, and now he's a police officer helping us serve uh, JSO by doing that. Mm -hmm. And these are dudes that are like, I don't know, regardless of what our official relationships are mm -hmm. as employer, employee, elder, neighbors, all of that, the, the lead foot in those relationships, or those, those dudes are just my friends, mm -hmm. like for real. Yeah. You can be yourself with a good friend, and they're a person who's going to love you more than your opinion of them or artificial peace at any cost, you know, and I love that. Well, let's talk, let's talk for a second about something you said about the pastoral mystique. Uh, <laughs> there's probably others listening who are in leadership, and I think maybe... I don't know if this is unique to men, but it seems like men can be busy and like all about different stuff, you know. So it can be a challenge as a leader or as a busy person to make time for friends. So how do you make time to invest in friendship? Because friendships takes time. I think the uh, the discipleship strategy that I learned from Coach Lee, of which he did not have a strategy. His strategy was, boy, you get in the truck. <laughs> so he just never did anything alone. Mm-hmm. He just took us wherever he was going. It's not like he thought, you know what? I'm going to carve out time to influence this teenager. No, no, no. His bird dog kennels needed to be clean, and he would just take me with him and just do it, you know? <laughs> right. Or it'd be random stuff. Like, he was just going to Walmart. So he'd swing by my house and get me, and we would just go to Walmart, yeah. and I'd help him get stuff. And so all the guys that I've mentioned, whether sometimes we have planned stuff like hunting yeah. or whatever, but then I'll just we just do stuff together. Yeah. It's it's not as hard as people seem to make it. Yeah, yeah. And friendship is not predicated on time together, season by season. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Like, time together is good, and time together grows friendship, and you should fight for that, and you should always have 
some of that in your life. But based on the season that you're in, too, sometimes you just got to give your permission to, like, do your best inside your limitations. Mm -hmm. Like, does that make sense? I love my children. They're 13 and 10 years old, and they have many activities. And I leave the house at 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning at the latest, and I do not sit down until 10 o'clock at night every day. Mm -hmm. Every day. So let's just say we're not barbecuing in the backyard on the <laughs> on the weekends with all my buddies. Does that right. make sense? Mm -hmm. It's just not the yeah. stage of life that I'm right. in. But it, but I still love my friends as much as ever. And when I do have time with them, I try to maximize it. You right. know. And my wife and I, one of the greatest things that the God, God has taught us in our marriage in regards to friendships and the need for them is that um, you know when you when I first got married, I kind of was like, it's my job to disciple my wife. How'd that go? Not good. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> what I learned is that it's my job to fight for my wife to be in disciple-making relationships and make room for her to be in those. Right. And her the same for me. Mm. is for her to have flourishing friendships. And so we will like go way out of our way to create we weekends and days and days where, where each other can get away with our friends in short mm. runs to like get that tank full. And then we go back into our, you know, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. life for five, six more months and yeah. making sure that you have room for group life, for her to be in a disciple group, for me to have the same, those kind of things where when time doesn't seem to be a, res a plentiful resource, making strategic choices for the sake of each other's growth is is really helpful. But, man, I think Pastor Joby and I are great friends by God's grace, and we get to work on things together relative, uh, in, in a decent amount of time. Praise God for that. Um, but at the same time, we're not just, like, hanging out all the time, <laughs> riding, riding around in the truck, and he's got this, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's we have real jobs than, and real lives and all that kind of stuff. We and, hang out a lot less than, like, even everybody on our staff thinks. Totally. And I don't think we could be closer yet in mission and in friendship, in Correct. my opinion. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things about our church um, is my wife's friends. Mm. I mean, she just has, like, this incredibly godly women. Then she's got some friends that are younger than her that she's for sure mentoring. She's got some friends that are older than her, a bunch of the elders' wives that are mentoring her. But, I mean, it's it's, it's the quality of her friendships is really, really, really high. And that is not always the case at a lot of churches for the the wife of the lead pastor. Mm. And so when we hear those kind of horror stories about how isolated some of our friends in ministry at other churches, their wives feel, mm. it is so foreign to our experience. Mm. So I'm so grateful for the, for her friends here. Yeah. And this is not always true, but it is regularly true that those feelings, that loneliness of which is, is it worth a deep dive is a lot of times a choice you know what I mean? There's some seasons where it's not a choice, but there's a, a lot of times you, you can start to build narratives in your mind that get you feeling isolated in your mind. And all of a sudden you're building walls to protect yourself from the very thing that you need to, does that make sense? To like walk in the abundant life. And so yeah. I, but I, it's, not, it's a good question because we deal with in this context all the time in regard to, to ministry and leadership. Mm -hmm. um, but I think loneliness is it's not I don't, I don't think if you open the New York Times pretty much any day the Wall Street Journal pretty much any day there's going to be an article in there published on the epidemic of loneliness this is in broader culture and yeah. it just has gone crazy since 
really COVID, and they, it's been ramping and ramping and ramping really since iPhones came out. Sociological, the science of it all is coming in now. You stick in the middle of that, a pandemic. Hmm. Loneliness is a is a real epidemic in our country, which hmm. is fascinating considering we have more access to information than we've ever had. We have more access to the idea of relationships than we've ever had. We have more access to geography and to stuff than we've ever had, than anyone has ever had in the history of the world. And yet we're the most spiritually isolated people that, that you could argue have ever walked the planet. Mm-hmm. Well, what's that about? And what is loneliness? I think that's an interesting conversation. You know, The way I define it is that loneliness is the feeling of being a person who used to have friends. Mm. It is a primary tactic of the devil. I mean, if you, you know, I've, I've shared this example a hundred million times, but the, the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking mm-hmm. someone to devour. And so he's just carving people out into their perceived loneliness and isolation so that they're the easiest target. Because you, you, he can't devour the, the one that's in the middle of the herd. Mm-hmm. Now, the reality is, is that if you're in Christ, you, ha- you will never be alone. And the enemy is trying to get you to believe a feeling that does not line up with the promise of Jesus at the Great Commission, and lo, I will be with you. You have the Spirit of God living in you. And so what a twist that this enemy has. And we've talked about it before. If you were the enemy trying to distract people from the Lord, this seems like a great idea, is to just put a distracting device in everybody's pocket that has the the perception of connection, but you're— like the two things simultaneously happen from both ends that are negative. When you're with people, you're never really with them because you're distracted by all these other people you could be with. And when you are in the good kind of alone in solitude, you're never actually alone enjoying the solitude because the whole world has access to you. Mm-hmm. So it's burning the candle at both ends. And then people are feeling that anxiety and pressure. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so loneliness, the, the ache we feel for something that we used to have or we think we used to have, mm-hmm. uh, that's where so much loneliness comes from. And, you know, you think about it when you move to a new town. Sometimes it's just the byproduct of life choices, right? You move to a new town, you change jobs, yeah. you, you know, and you go through these seasons of, I actually used to have this thing and now I've got to forge for myself new versions of it. Uh, that's legit. This is one of the ways the local church comes in in regards to Mm -hmm. um, just helping people get connected to other people quickly uh, in a place hopefully that's safe and healthy. So loneliness is a thing. And so it's, it's, uh, it's a serious, serious thing, but like anything, the gospel and the word of God is what teaches us the path out, if you will. Yeah. Sometimes we can, like I've talked to people before who have t- too high expectations for what a friendship can be. Like, it's like, if I see one flaw in this person, then they're written off from being my friend. Or if I see one way in which I'm smarter than them, then I close myself completely off from them as a friend. But there's just all kinds of things that you can learn from all kinds of people. Well, and those people are very lonely. Yeah. And that and, is a choice they've made for themselves. And they're the vampires because they suck the life out of you every time you get around them <laughs> because all they want is for them. Right. 100% right. I mean, when, when it, you know who you're never friends with? The person that's always reminding you that you're not a good enough friend to them. That's right. You're like, yeah, I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> the people that you're closest with, prophecy. it's just like some people are, are friends for life and some people are friends for a season, man. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a bunch of guys I love dearly. And when our boys were all playing Little League Baseball together, we were close and doing all the things. Yeah. We still love each other very much. We just, our families don't run together anymore. But when we see each other at church, they all go to church. Man, we just pick it up right where it was. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Those are the kind of people that aren't laying all sort of expectations on mm -hmm. you for them. Mm -hmm. Th these are people that are treating each other as if they are more important themselves. See Philippians chapter 2. All right. That's who you always want to be friends with. Yeah, and the scriptures tell us that if you want to have friends, first be a friend. That's right. You know what I yeah. mean? And the person who's constantly thinking, well, why isn't anybody being my friend is starting from the wrong starting place. Yeah, and I mean, I'm super proud of, of what we do here at 1122. If you feel lonely, you should just show up to church, go to the Connect Center, and join a disciple group. Mm -hmm. And if you're like, well, I tried one of those and I didn't like it. Okay, you've tried meals you didn't like before, but you didn't stop eating. You just didn't find the right crew, man. Mm -hmm. At some point, you're going to find some other weirdos like you that can't make friends. Y'all will be in one group. You'll be perfect together. <laughs> but yeah, if, And if you've tried five groups and none of them fit, might not be the groups. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> totally. Right. Just throwing it out. <laughs> you know? It's like it's a proverb that's not in the Bible. You know, if it smells everywhere you go, check your own shoes. <laughs> oh, you know. oh, that's real good. Well done, sir. All right, let's get into a little bit of the the content because you talk in, in this message, Pastor Britt, about being created in the image of God. And the doctrine of the Trinity tells us that, well, that's a really, we could talk about that for a while. That's a pretty easy one to understand, but we could talk about it. Um, God is three persons, but still one, therefore is in eternal existence in relationship with himself. Yep. All right, that's pretty easy to understand. But then uh, also, because we're image bearers of God, we're wired same, the same in many, of in many ways, but also different. So talk a little bit about that image of God. Yeah, the way I, I talk about it is that to be created an image of God, part of what that means is that you were created e eternal. So you will live forever somewhere mm -hmm. and that you were created relational. So you put those two things together, you are eternally relational is what it means to be created in the image of God. Not only, but a significant part of what it means to be created in the image of God. And this explains a lot of why we feel the way that we feel. Why we have these deep longings that seemingly nothing in this world can satisfy. Mm -hmm. um, why we are addicted to things like communication. Um, why we're desperate for community. You know, f you know f um, we may not use these extreme words, but it's these, these longings we have within us. Well, it's the reflection of what it means. It's the cracked mirror of being cr created in God's image, but not being able to walk in it fully in regards to the, the having a fallen nature, right? Uh, we want things to be unified, but we also want diversity. Well, why is that? Because God is three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all the same, yet they're all distinctly different. Mm -hmm. And so in God, you have unity and diversity. We don't want to all think the same, all have the same things to do, all look the same. We don't want to be robots. And so all this is the result of being created in God's image. He is eternally relational. And so therefore, we were, we were wired, hardwired for relationships. And, and so the, 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 really, if you had one line from the sermon, it's you were made by God for people. Hmm. And uh, that, that really is the, the reality of it. So the, from a Trinitarian standpoint, we could just go and go and go and go and go and never even scratch the surface. But Pastor. Yeah, and a, a part of what you're mentioning too, I mean, this is C.S. Lewis and Mere Christianity. 
He's like, you know, a fish's greatest longing is water, and we know this because it lives in the water. And he says, so if we have, if our greatest desires are unmet in this world, mm-hmm. doesn't it mean that we were created for another world? Mm-hmm. We are yearning for eternity and the perfect relationship, and nothing on this planet can fulfill those two because. One God in three persons is not just a relationship. It's this perfectly submitted relationship to one another out of love of God for God. Mm -hmm. And so we are created out of an overflow of God's love for himself. Primarily, we were created in such a way that we give and receive love Mm -hmm. as a reflection of the way God gives and receives love. Mm -hmm. That's why relationships matter so much. Yeah. So we have that same wiring, we have that same longing, but what we don't have is God's perfection, right? So there's right. going to be turbulence at times. Um, it made me think when you mentioned C.S. Lewis, he has this, I forget which book it is, but he has this example he gives about how relationships define us. And, you know, he had that group of people that he would always meet with, right? The Inklings. And he talks about how one of them died, and there was, he, when they got back together, he said, not only did we miss our friend, we were all not the same because we didn't have ourselves in relationship to that friend anymore. And so the power of relationships to define you is something that we underestimate, I think. And not to mention our family relationships. Like the reason why you have a last name <laughs> is to say, Joby, son of also... Joby. Yeah. <laughs> Joseph Perry. Joseph. Okay. Perry. Joseph Perry. Okay. Uh, so we uh, talk about, you talk about in the message, Pastor Britt, the kind of people that you should stay away from. Much of the Proverbs is like, hey, be around this kind of people. Don't be around this kind of people. So give us a little synopsis of, of what the group is, those groups are. It's great. This is one of the reasons the podcast is great because there's like categorically definition. Mm -hmm. So there's like, we're all called as Christians to be kind, Mm -hmm. to be nice to people. Yeah. Jesus even goes as far as to say like, love your enemies Mm -hmm. and these kind of things. And so uh, uh, it's not only spend time with these people. For the sake of the Great Commission, we spend time with a lot of people. Mm. We just have different categories, if you will, or... uh, you know, concentric circles of trust or relationships based on the nature of that relationship. When Proverbs is talking about friend, he it's mostly talking about trusted confidant. Mm-hmm. Like someone that you're saying, please put your life in my hands and I'm willing to put my life in, mm-hmm. in your hands. And mm-hmm. so it's like the inner circle of trust tree. And, and I don't talk a lot about this in the sermon, but one of the things that Proverbs does say is that it's okay to be selective. Right. And it's actually smart to be selective yeah. in regards to the people that you put closest to you and you choose to have those relationships. Because we're not perfect, mm-hmm. we're going to nick each other. Yeah. We're going to bump into each other's wounds. We're going to, does that make sense? But you don't want to be, you don't want your innermost, for the sake of the gospel, you don't want the people closest to be the, to you to be the ones trying to kill you by death by a thousand cuts. Right. Does that make sense? See Jesus' life too, right? Like he was a friend of sinners, but it was a it was a directional relationship of influence. Influence is the key. Yeah. You know, when when I see people that are hanging out with idiots, I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, Well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Number one, you ain't him. (laughs) Every time he hung out, he was always influenced. 
And he was always the influence. He was never being influenced, you mm -hmm. know? Like, Mary never comes to him and is like, you need to really pick your friends better because, no, that's not how it's going ever. Mm -hmm. So he, he was on purpose, on mission, and he walked in the room, and the room changed. The room mm -hmm. didn't change him. Mm -hmm. That is the key. Right. And so Proverbs will use words. It, it uses a lot of walking language to describe a friendship. It, you know, Psalm says he uh, or do not walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the mocker. Mm -hmm. These are relational terms. I like do life with ongoing. Yeah. Proverbs will say he who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Right. That's an influence verse because we are finite and not perfect, and we care a whole bunch about what everybody thinks about us. Mm -hmm. And so we are being influenced all the time, so pay very close attention mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. Yeah, so there's five... I, I, there's two lists of five. There's five things like you don't want to let these people on the inner, cir inner circle watch out for these kind of folks. And then there's five. And also, you don't want to be this. Right. Right? So it's not that you just don't want the, these trusted. These are not good people to pick as trusted confidence. You also don't want to be these five things. Mm -hmm. So watch it. And then there's five things the Proverbs prescribes that's like, these are five things you are looking for and you're looking to be mm -hmm. in relationships. And so we talk about them. You may run through them. Yes. Sure, yeah. Number one, the wicked evil, Proverbs 4. Uh, don't enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. And there's multiple layers to evil in the Bible and wicked. Um, my understanding in regards to this proverb is that it's, it's talking about blatantly wicked, blatantly evil people. Now, the thing about the gospel that's so daunting is that it defines wicked for us in a in a really pointed way. It's like you talked about in week one about everybody everybody's in for a just judge. They just don't want to be the one that's judged. Yep. Well, everybody is in for wickedness being judged. Mm. They just don't think they're wicked. Right. Right. And this is a, a prerequisite of coming to the cross of Jesus Christ unto salvation is realizing that in and my, of myself, I am a, re, a rebe, rebel against God, and I am evil by nature, um, that I'm bent toward these things that are diso, dishonoring to God and therefore in the category of evil. And so I always think about evil, if you spell it the other way, it's the word live. And so it's like, I don't want to bring, I don't want to have trusted confidence with people who are living life backwards. Right, so you're not you're living your your life is backwards to what God says. This is e evil, as by the Bible defines it. And then there's all a different way of manifestation. And so I think that's part of what the Proverbs is talking about. You I know? think evil and wicked. Like if you look at First John, there's a difference between somebody that struggles, sins, falls, repents, and and has. I mean, you know, Romans seven, man, we're struggling with the same stuff over and over and over. Oh, no for problem. sure. First John is talking about the person that continually, habitually claims to know God but rejects him in an area of their life. That's wicked. Mm -hmm. That's wicked. Yeah. I mean, if a person is just ungodly, you just got to pay very close attention to how close you let them in mm -hmm. because of the influence that they could have on your life. Yeah, that's right. So the, that's the, the wicked, the evil. The second is the fool. Proverbs talks a lot about the fool. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a really strong word in our culture. We just don't use it much. Know. You know, it's like a couple of weeks ago, you looked at everybody like, you're a fool. From then, I was laughing my head off in the sermon, you know, but it's, it is a very pointed word, mm -hmm. you know, the fool. But he says, leave the presence of a fool 
for there you do not meet words of knowledge. And then different times throughout Proverbs, it tells us what the fool is. The fool is unteachable, arrogant, not open to rebuke, has a flippant attitude toward their sin, is quick to point out others' faults when confronted with their own, is self-deceitful. And so that's the fool. So you got to watch out for people who are self-deceitful, you know, and uh, without... Like, it's one thing for me to come and go, hey, Vinky, you're deceiving yourself. And you listen and you go, you know, I think you're right. All right. There's another thing for me to go, hey, man, I think you're missing this. And it's just all defense and you don't know and blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. You're a fool. After 15 years of friendship, I should be able to look at you and say, hey, man, this is the thing you should pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And you not be all like, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If you don't have open ears to a, a, a word of a friend, you're a fool. That's right. How would you differentiate evil and fool? Pastor Joby. Um, intention. I mean, a fool knows better and does it anyway. You know, the example I love to give is cigarette smokers. Uh, and partly because I'm trying to get my dad to quit, so I called him a fool in our church this weekend. <laughs> um, I think um, a lot of it has to do with, like, the repercussions of it because wicked is, like, I'm going to bring down a lot of people. Mm. The fool may unintentionally... Uh, have repercussions on other people, but you're primarily making a decision for yourself. Mm. And I think that's the evil is, is, is like, I'm about to do something to you and to you. That Mm. that's different than I know what God says about finances and I don't have enough money to buy this, but I'm going to try to buy it anyway. Mm. Then you're being a fool. But you, and again, it's like collateral damage maybe, but that you're not intentionally damaging Mm. other people. Mm -hmm. You just think your way is better than God's. Yeah, there's a similar turning away from the commands of God and the design of God, but one would be more like aimed at hurting other people, and one's yeah. just like, hey, it's not it's not hurting anyone, but actually it is. Yeah, you are someone. Yeah. Yeah, number three is quick to anger. Proverbs 22, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, hmm. lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Hmm. I would uh, highly recommend going back a handful of weeks and listening to Pastor Joby's sermon on anger Mm -hmm. in the James series. Mm -hmm. And um, he's preached on it quite a few times. It's it's the best sermon uh, Mm -hmm. I've ever heard on on anger. Um, But some of this is like I've, for many, 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 many years, I operated under the service, service. I wouldn't say it was like malicious anger, but it was a lot of angst. You know, just I, it didn't take much for me to get overly harsh with my children. Mm. It didn't take much for me to exasperate my family with my tone or my presence. You know, I just had this like boiling anger. And when we do the mental health series, I'll, we'll talk more about that and how crazy I actually am. And then, <laughs> um, uh, but what I've learned over the years is that that angst, that undergirding anger, in life is so much of it comes from my illusions or my desires for control. And I don't want control over you. I don't want control over you. I really don't want even control over my family. What I want control over is the outcomes. I want to be able to successfully predict outcomes and anywhere I can't, I can just feel that thing underneath me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and if I can't predict the outcome of your behavior or your response to mine, it just starts to bubble up and, and uh, if you don't deal with that kind of stuff in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you will be an angry person because you are in control of nothing. Mm. Nothing is an absolute illusion. 
and learning to trust God in every detail. And when you don't, your only other option is to project fear. And a lot of times fear is projected in anger. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, for me, brass tacks, when I act in anger, it's just straight up because I don't trust God. Mm-hmm. And when I boil it down to that level, it's like, how, how could I be a good friend to you when I'm not someone who actually trusts God? How can I be a good friend to you? And so, um, anyway, then the, the quick to anger thing. And honestly, as I, as I think through this and pray through it and prepare it, I think I think sometimes in the context of it is important to talk about like sometimes you feel like you're married to that person, and that you're in a different situation at that point than just choosing who your friends are. That's right. Does that make sense? And so. Pastor Joe, what would you say to that? You've taught on this many times, but to the person who feels like they're married to the person who's quick to anger, you know, how do you how do you walk that out? You can't just be like, yeah, you can't piece it out. Unless we're not friends anymore. I mean, <laughs> obviously, if there's abuse or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, then yeah, that's yeah. a whole other category. But just um, help them get help. I mean, that, that's the best thing because, like, the biggest cheerleader for your spouse ought to be you. And the best thing that you can do, I, I, when I teach on marriage, I always start with, you know, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And the, a good definition, in my opinion, for that is a good, um, uh, a healthy marriage starts with a really good friendship. Mm. And so anybody you were really good friends with that had some like legit anger issues, you would do almost whatever it takes to help that person get mm. help to deal with that. Mm. And usually when it comes to anger, the thing is never the thing. It's not about the homework. It's not about, it's never that. It's a deep thing down in a person. It's, it's often a wound that has been festering instead of healing. And it gets, there, there's an, an overreaction. Like if you had a wound on your arm under your sleeve and I hit it, you would overreact to me touching your arm. If I hit your healthy one, you, it'd be fine, right? But you'd hit that wound to be an overreaction. Oftentimes anger is this overreaction that's rooted in usually unforgiveness, which roots into bitterness, which leads mm-hmm. to anger. If it's your spouse, you've got to help them get help to root, to get down into that, get the gospel into those places mm-hmm. where they can be forgiven, they can offer forgiveness, <laughs> and so that they can begin to produce fruit. And one of the big fruits that they will produce, like oftentimes the opposite of anger is patience. Oh. Like the reason we get angry with people and frustrated with people is because we're not getting what we want. And so we just get... You know, Christians don't get angry; they get frustrated, and so, um, and then you begin to like preach the gospel to yourself, and just take a second and think about how patient God the Father is with you. That will change your posture towards the people in your life that make you angry, because they can't make you anything. All they can do is reveal anger that's in you. But help them get help. Yeah, that's right. We live in such an angry time. I don't know. I, I don't know that it's more angry than other times in history, but it feels like it's very angry. You know, like the the things that can just set people off so quickly. I mean, even just road rage. You know. Oh yeah. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> so the wicked person, the fool, the angry person. What are the last two? The person given to excess. Hear my son and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. Notice it doesn't say anything about carbs. Uh, among gluttonous eaters of meat, 
For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Mm. And so the person given to X, this is anyone who lacks self-control, excessive spending, too much time with a hobby at the expense of your family, Mm -hmm. video games, eating, drinking, talking too much, any excessive talkers out there. Mm. Anywhere you lack self-control, it is a lid on your life and your relationships. Mm. Self-control is a good gift from a good father who loves us that allows for us to, to, to operate healthy in relationships. Mm-hmm. And so the person given to excess is number four. And number five is the perpetually discontented. Proverbs 24, 21, 22 says, My son, it's really simple. It says, My son, fear the Lord and the king, and do not, uh, do not join with those who do otherwise. For disaster will arise suddenly from them, and who knows the ruin that will come from them both. And what Solomon's saying is, keep it simple, man. Keep your life simple. The Apostle Paul writes about this in multiple places. He says, here's what I want. I want to be at peace with all men. Mm-hmm. I want to live a simple, quiet life, right? Be simple. Don't be complicated. Don't be perpetually discontented. Mm-hmm. The myth of there, you know, I talk about that all the time. It's like, here's the thing. Here's the where most of us live, is that we live in a place where we think if we can just get there, then we'll fully and finally be happy. Mm-hmm. If I can just get there in my relationships, if I can just get there in my finances, if I can just get there in work, if I can just get there in what people think about me, then I'll fully and finally be happy. And all of a sudden we get there and guess what? There we are. And we're just as discontented as we were. Mm -hmm. The question is not, will I trust God when I get there? The question is, will Mm -hmm. I trust God today right here where he's got me? Mm And, um, and so the perpetually discontented, you know, and, um, this, this is why it's so wild what David writes in Psalm 23, he says, in regards to the 1010 life, just think about this statement. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hmm. Good luck. Mm-hmm. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because I have the good shepherd, mm-hmm. I shall not want. Even the, the most committed Christians that I know are fighting hard against perpetual discontentment. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a group earlier today about, about this, like paying attention to the level of security inside of you because all of this is kind of the same root. You're not happy. Or you're not filled. Like there's a gap somewhere inside, so you're trying to fill it with all kind of stuff. That's right. You know what I mean? And think about how different your life would be if that was if you were just full. If you just it was just whoop. Yeah, if you did what Paul said and you learned the secret of being content in mm-hmm. any and every situation. And the secret's out. It's Jesus. That's mm-hmm. the secret. I find myself um you guys work with me a lot, so you know this. You know, every single one of us live on this continuum. Uh, between gratitude and entitlement. Mm-hmm. I am allergic to complaining. <laughs> I can't, t- I'm, I'm allergic to it. I hate it. I don't want to be it. So I just want to avoid it. Mm-hmm. I am drawn to people that are that overflow gratitude. I'm just drawn to them, can't get enough of them. You want to be a friend and have some great friendships? Get into the habit of being a person that just oozes gratitude, mm-hmm. that, all, that can... Decide to see God's blessing in so many mm-hmm. areas and be the kind of person, like Paul says, that does 
that, that never complains, do mm-hmm. everything without complaining or arguing. Mm-hmm. That, that'll set you up for people, mm-hmm. especially healthy people, to be attracted to you in regards to friendships mm-hmm. and relationships. Yep. That's right. And this is much a, very much an aspirational one for, me, for the individual. Mm-hmm. Like, this is who I want to be in mm-hmm. relationships. Yep. And, and if you want healthy relationships and friendships and you want to be a good, healthy friend, stop trying to fix everybody and just enjoy them. Mm-hmm. When you hold everybody hostage to your preferences all the time, you can't enjoy them. Mm. So just yeah. stop trying to fix everybody and being discontented with, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's it. That's number five. You mentioned uh, Psalm 1 earlier, Pastor Joby, and I've heard it taught this a little bit this way before, that the person who's abiding in the Word, who's bearing fruit in season and leaves don't wither, it's like imagine the other people who are able to enjoy that fruit and right. take shade underneath those branches and leaves. Like that's the kind of person that is life-giving to people around them versus the one who's the vampire. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I mean, my best friends, all my buddies are like the, like I'm a better version of me because of them. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's the opposite of the vampire effect. Guys that are around me <clears throat> that don't mind holding me accountable at all, you know? that would love me enough to point out, hey, man, your tone towards your wife the last time we were together wasn't your best, mm. you know? Because they actually love me more than they love what I think about them. Mm-hmm. And they love just me, not any position that I happen to be in. Mm-hmm. You better be around some people like that. Yeah. So the so real quick question. So you talked about these five things. Don't be this person. Don't be around that person. Has there been a... Because there a time in your life you can think of where there was like, oh, I've got to change the people that I'm around because it's starting to pull me, whether, whether it was pointed out by somebody else or you realize it for yourself, that these people are pulling me in the wrong direction. Yeah, for sure. But uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, my mind goes to like when I was a kid. Yeah. But even as an adult, um, you know, Gretchen and I got into the gym scene in a pretty extreme way. And we would say we're trying to be missionaries. And for sure, some people got led to Christ and stuff like that. You also just love being swole. Well, I, yeah, I mean, we competed. I competed in bodybuilding, whatever. But, but like the the priorities. I have, maybe we could put a picture up in the podcast. <laughs> we good. They're out there. <laughs> They're out there. But though the values of that, what you look like, is the most important thing in the world. Mm. I mean, that stuff gets on you. Yeah. Wow. And we were spending money and time and energy and efforts in. I mean, lots and lots. And I, it was all my fault. Gretchen is just awesome. She was like, well, if I want to hang out with him, I guess I got to go to the gym three times a day, you know, that kind of thing. And we would, but you begin to, um, like the opinions of those people matter a ton and you buy into a different set of values. And mm. we could have leveraged a ton of that effort and energy to build God's kingdom instead of trying to build bigger biceps. Cause we were not, I was not, she, she probably was, I was not going for like, to honor God with my body in regards of a stewarding it to try to be healthy. It was a lot of ego. And again, mm-hmm. man, you're just surrounded. Mm-hmm. Like you're just in this echo chamber and everybody's applauding you for mm-hmm. your idolatry. Mm-hmm. And the thing that broke me out of it was, was when Gretchen had JP. I mean, we're in the hospital and I'm holding this little dude and I'm like, I'm not going to the gym at five o'clock anymore. I'm not going to be that dad. What a, what a worthless dad that is. Mm. You're missing all your kids' stuff, but you got muscles. Who cares? Mm. And I mean, the, the, like, the desires of my heart changed immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when, certainly my dad used to say, if you hang around the dumpster, you become trash. 
And um, that's a good one. That one, and, stinky chew one. Those yeah, are good you know. <laughs> and I, I had a propensity toward the dumpster for sure growing up. But I would say even as an adult, like in different ministry contexts, with like some for me, I have to I have to have. I don't want to overstate this, but I, I do. The, each relationship or certain relationships have to be in the right place. Does that make sense? And so not everybody gets inside the, like, really the trust tree, if you will, of trusted confidant, um, mostly because when I'm around them, it's I feel the negative effects of mm. them on my own mental health, on them on my own behaviors, them on the – does that you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm a limited human. I only have so much to give. And so mm. I'm not going to willfully right. and habitually put myself in relationships over and over and over again that only – leave me in a place where my tank is empty or I'm massively insecure for the wrong reasons. Um, Does that make sense? I'm just not going to do it. And so I've had to draw those categories over Mm -hmm. the years, many, 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 many times. Um, And so I think that's just a part of being an adult, making mature, godly decisions. Mm -hmm. And some people, it's okay to to not be, you don't have to be everybody's best friend. Mm -hmm. You can be friendly and you can be nice, but one of the talking about cell phones and the impact of like one time I preached on technology, I mentioned it like, hey, watch out for the negative impacts of this. And somebody comes up to me after that I know very well and was like, I hear you, Pastor, but what if somebody needs me? That's the point. <laughs> yeah. That's actually the point I'm trying to make. Is that is that you need to be needed. That's right. And so I should read an interesting little tidbit about this thing called the Tower of Babel. Right. Because these people were trying to elevate themselves to the to the position of God. That's what the problem with the Tower of Babel is, man. Mm. Like, yeah. we can elevate ourselves to know all things, see all things, and be all things to all people. Mm. Sounds like a commercial for one of these. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you buy into it. I tell you, it, I love the reality breaks when, like, we'll do some meeting or something, make everybody put their phone away, and then you realize how replaceable you are. Like, nobody called you. Nobody needed you. Totally. The world is still making its way mm-hmm. around the sun mm-hmm. again this year, even with you being disconnected, untethered for a whole hour. Can you believe it? And so my point on that is, like, the, the friend thing, it's like friendship's about, not about needing to need each other. It's about being present with each other, you know, in, in God's grace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and the worst thing that I can do is to try to put myself mm-hmm. in the seat in your life that only Jesus can have. Mm-hmm. Like it's his seat, mm-hmm. and he and, and, and as far as a need goes, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so we can need him together, but when we start getting wacky about who needs who and you needing to be needed, it just well to be really good things. friends to a few people, you're gonna have to disappoint a lot. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's just true. Every time, like every time I say yes to anybody for anything, I'm saying no to at least the three people I live with at my house. Yeah. And, I mean, our church is really gracious. Um, you know, a lot of people feel like they know me because I share a lot of stories and stuff. And I stand right here in the lobby, and people will be like, oh, can we get together? And I just have to be like, I love probably not. I'm just, I mean, we probably can't. I'll hang out in the lobby every week. I'm the last right. one to leave, you know. But, but I mean, I've got some relationships that I'm dedicated to. Another thing I share with people all the time when they, they're like, I need to meet with you. And I go, do you need help or do you need me? Because these are two very different things. Mm. You don't need me. In fact, what do you think I'm going to say? 
I'm not hiding back some words that I keep for one-on-one meetings that I don't share in this. Everything I know about whatever you want to talk to me about, have, we've got hours and hours and hours <laughs> of me recorded of what right. I'm going to tell you. Okay, if you need help, I can get you help right now. We have mm-hmm. a care team. We have pastors. We have people that will that have time to walk with you through whatever you are walking through. Mm-hmm. And so while that may be disappointing to them, it's what I have to do. This idea of boundaries that the, has come up psychologically and socially in the past, whatever, the word kind of got more famous, what, last 10 years or so, is a very, very, very biblical concept mm-hmm. that there is no way you can love your neighbor if you're not loving yourself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Jesus demonstrates these boundaries. Everybody is not in the same level when in his earthly ministry, everybody's mm-hmm. not in the same level of relationship and proximity to him. Mm-hmm. He had he had boundaries mm-hmm. and layers. And even mm-hmm. then, sometimes he's like, I've had enough of y'all. I'm going to the mountains. I'm gonna yeah. do my quiet time. Yeah. You know? And so what, all of these are bound all of these are issues of saying no to some people so that he could say yes to for his sure. father. Isn't it early Mark where he's up super late ministering to like the entire village mm-hmm. and the next morning he's not there because he's got he's praying and they say Everybody's looking for you. And he yeah. says, yeah, yeah, we're going to go to the next town. Yeah. You know? And uh, he's like, I got people that I got to preach to there. And kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about our, our we're, we're wired, we're made in God's image. So we have a similar nature for relationships, but we're not unlimited like God is. Correct. We have very definite limits. God's resource to have grace and patience is unlimited. Mine is not. Right. Oh, for yeah. sure. That's different. <laughs> Healthy boundaries is one of the five things that's like, do this. Yep. That's what Proverbs says. Mm-hmm. Like if, and if, it's, if the first five were don't do this, the healthy boundaries is one of them. And one of the enemy's great like generational mm. lies that he has sowed. And actually, it gets sowed into kids' and it, lives and minds is the idea that you can do anything you want. Mm. No, you cannot. That's right. No, you cannot. You are limited. And I think I know what you mean, like have goals and try hard and work hard and, and you can be fruitful and produce. That's right. But you can't do anything you want. Right. And the, uh, that's the version of freedom so much of popular culture is striving for is that I want to be able to do whatever I want. I was told that I could do what I want. Somebody that I can be you. anything <laughs> I want to be. And no, you can't. We don't all have the same amount of talent. We don't all have the same amount of uh, intelligence. We don't all have the same amount of opportunity. And I'm not saying that that... Everybody doesn't have the clear call to work hard and everybody doesn't have the clear call to produce and that there are endless opportunities in life if you know how to look for them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying not, all, not, not everybody can do everything you want to do mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And embracing limits inside yourself and inside of your relationships is the path to health. Mm. And a good you friend know? would love you enough to tell you that truth. For sure. I remember I was in the ninth grade. I had this legitimate conversation with my dad in my mind. I, I, I had a fundamental question, and I needed his advice. I was like, Daddy, I need to talk to you. Serious. He's like, yeah, buddy, what's up? I go, do you think I should play in the MLB or the NFL? <laughs> I was serious as I could be, man. And he's like, you should probably study. That's what he said. <laughs> you should probably study. <laughs> turns out he was right. It turns you know, out, yeah. That was not my path. But you're right. I mean, he, But he care. knows me. He loves me. He's for me. And he's not going to, like, hmm. let me go down a dumb road like right, that. Right, right, right. So let me run through the five here, and y'all fill in the gaps. Yep. Healthy boundaries is one. Uh, pro- pro- Proverbs uh, let your f- 25, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Mm. 
Pastor Joby talks a lot about uh, refrigerator rights, that you need some friends in your life that have refrigerator rights. And uh, I'm adding on to that this week. And you know how you keep them? Use them sparingly. That's right. And time together is good. Too much time together can be tough on a friendship. Mm-hmm. So enjoy the time that you have together. Don't overdo it. And so Wasn't healthy it, boundaries is a big part of it. Wasn't Winston Churchill who said, like, uh, visitors are like fresh fish, and after a few days they stink? <laughs> You're full of them today. I, I got them. These are all like T-shirts that Gretchen would wear. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, another one is safe. Do not plan evil or harm against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Safe doesn't always mean agreeable, as we've talked about. It doesn't always mean passive or peaceful exclusively, but it does mean that you're someone that my trust is safe with. Mm. And so as a friend, is your trust safe with me? Um, I think that that matters a lot. Nobody, I don't think we live in a world where most people are planning harm against each other. There's probably not many people keying cars and slashing tires. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, probably way more harmful than keying your car or slashing your tire is to is to sow deceit about you behind your back, or to take some information that you gave me and then use it against you. Mm. Yeah, I mean um, the most dangerous thing in a friendship is words, bro. Careless words stab like a sword. Mm. So when somebody puts their trust in you, is it safe? Yeah. Uh, another one is loyal. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Gossip is almost every Christian I know's favorite sin. Mm. And we don't even think it's sin. We think we do it like in prayer request time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Will you pray for my friend? She blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Will you pray for my friend? He... Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, I was talking to someone the other day. He's just really struggling, mm-hmm. right? Or even organizationally, their their entire like quote unquote ministries that I don't see what they're doing is anything other than just gossiping about some church that they don't attend, for sure. And call it a ministry. Mm-hmm. What the heck is that? Mm-hmm. I know what it is. It's it's going to be judged. It's a watchtower ministry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, terrible. So lo- loyalty matters, and loyalty is your your trust is safe with me and I'm going to stand by you. Like, I, mean, I don't expect you to be perfect and at times where you live through consequences. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can't make your wrongs right, but I'm going to stick with you, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm going to be loyal. And when things are good, things are good. When things are hard, I'm going to be there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so number three is, uh, or, or another one is generous. Proverbs 3, 27, 28, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Mm. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you have it with you today. Be generous. Be generous. Look, as we're on the 1010 life, you know, and we talk about being a part of a healthy church that's rooted in healthy friendships and people who share mission together. You know, we make these commitments to things like the 1010 life. And it's something I pay attention to in the sense of like, not who's doing what, but like, I want to, I want my life to be so aligned with the character and the nature of God that it is good for you to be my friend. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. I want, I want to be so dialed into what Mm -hmm. God's doing and to the Mm -hmm. voice of God that only good can come in your life from the obedience that the Holy Spirit's producing in my mm. life. And so mm-hmm. um, I think the I, my friends, the friends here at 1122 are the most, some of the most generous folks I've ever been around. Mm. Financially, time, encouragement, all categories yeah. of generosity, you know. And that's so much of the abundant life, you know. So mm. 
be generous. It makes me think of that psalmist is the 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 nearness of God is my good. Like it's good for me to be near God. So to be godly, to be a godly friend, your friends would say that. Man, it is just good to be near my friend. Amen. Hmm. Yeah, and the way the way you end the service is uh, with a call to prayer, which I think um, if you look at like Paul's relationships in the New Testament with you know like he writes to Timothy, he writes <clears throat> to the church at Philippi. There's almost always a section in there where he talks about how like I love you, I can't wait to see you again, I'm for you, I pray for you all the time. I mean, a question I would just ask or a rhetorical question, but. Are you praying for your friends and not mm. just like the, the prayer request thing? Mm. And again, that's different than praying about them, but like really praying for them, God's mm. blessing in their life. I got this text from Charles Martin uh, yesterday, and he says, it just is simple. It's like, I'm walking, he lives in my neighborhood, so he was, and he walks all over the place. And he says, um, Hey, I'm walking by your house, and I just want you to know that I pray for you all the time. Um, and he says, I'm not saying that because I want credit for it. And, I'm not saying that because I think it makes me look like something or whatever. I'm just saying it because I thought you might want to know it. Sometimes it can be lonely at the tip of the spear. And I'm able to say, you know why it's not lonely at the tip of the spear for me? Because mm-hmm. I got friends like you mm-hmm. praying for me and I pray for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, a, a, an action step for everybody listening right now mm. would be, why don't you get out your phone and text some encouraging words to your friends four corner toters, you know, mm-hmm. and just let them know mm-hmm. I'm praying for you and then actually pray for them. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to ask one, one question here because certainly uh, of the folks listening, there's been some negative experiences with friendship. Uh, I think of Jesus who had a close friend betray him, you know, Psalm 55, David's writing. He says, Hey, what hurts the most is not that it's my enemy, but it's my familiar friend who used to be so close to me, who's now betrayed me. So, Pastor Joby, what would you say to somebody who, I mean, friendship is risky. It's always risky. But what would you say to somebody who's been hurt by friendship and is a little nervous listening to all this conversation about it? Yeah, welcome to earth. It's why Jesus died on the cross, because we are sinful people. Mm. And sometimes we get hurt because we have completely unreal expectations. Sometimes we get hurt because we idolize a person or a relationship. Mm. And the moment you begin to idolize that thing, when they let you down and they're going to, then you'll demonize it. Mm. And so they're not your savior. And sometimes our functional saviors are our friends. And we heap all of our cares upon them thinking that they can bear that force, and they cannot. Mm. So one of the things is to have legit expectations. The thing that I would warn the person <clears throat> that's had previous relational hurt, if you began to wall off your heart, then you're never going to be able to walk in the kind of relationships that God has for you. Mm. Right. It's a weird thing to, to use the language with a sovereign God of risk because um, Jesus knew what he was getting into, but still he risked the love and grace towards all the disciples mm. And they all at one point let him down. Mm-hmm. Not just Judas. I mean, Peter denies him. None of them can stay awake and pray with him. Mm-hmm. They all scatter and run. I mean, over and over and over. I mean, you never find one point where Jesus is like, man, I'm glad I picked you guys. Ever. <laughs> He's like, how long must I be with you? Because they're... There's this kid, he's a demon cast out, and they're having a denominational battle while he's 
transfigured up on the mountains. So like they're a total letdown all the time. And yet he's just so patient with them, so mm-hmm. patient and and continues to offer himself in relationship mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus knows what Judas is about to do and he predicts what Peter's about to do. Mm-hmm. And in that same conversation is the one where he makes it abundantly clear that they're his friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it goes back to that idea that when you've been forgiven, or when you get it, you can give it. That's right. You know what I mean? And so it, when we're hurt by people, which we inevitably will be, we're given an opportunity to draw more from that resource that is God's love and grace so that we can pour it out into those relationships. Yeah, and one of the ways to keep healthy friendships is the moment you create the gap between what's expected and what's experienced, be the first one to fill that gap and be like, that's on me, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, whether it's as simple as I didn't text you back, I'm sorry, but but be the person that is trustworthy. And mm-hmm. and a part of being trustworthy doesn't mean that you're perfect. Mm-hmm. It means that you admit it when you have done something to defile that trust mm-hmm. because we're imperfect people. Mm-hmm. Let me just go ahead and say I'm sorry. There's a 90% chance if you email me or text me, I'm not going to reply. <laughs> so, just take, that's my blanket. I'm sorry. Uh, still counts. Still counts. Uh, so we talked earlier, we, maybe we close with this, with this um, little discussion here. We talked earlier about how if you feel lonely, if you feel isolated, if you feel cut off from relationships, one of the best things you could do is be at church. Mm-hmm. And uh, 1122 is a large church. There's a lot, of, a lot of campuses, a lot of people, depending on the campus that you're in. Um, but let's talk for a minute about the ways that people can engage and build relationships. And I think especially in this, in this context of friendship, when, when you say from the stage or you say from the stage, hey, be in, get in a disciple group, get on a serve team, go on a mission trip, it's not primarily so that you can help the church. It's right. not. It does all the things that we're talking about in the relationships that you build shoulder to shoulder. So talk a little bit about that. Pastor. Yeah, I think there's this myth, like it's hard to get connected in a big church. Have you been to a small church? It's usually one really good for like three families. And if you're not in one of those, it's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> Here... <laughs> You got a lot. It's just true, man. I served a lot of smaller churches. It's just true, right? Um, Here, there's a lot of people to choose from. There really is. There's so many more opportunities for you to get linked together with some folks. You just got to take the risk and go. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a step of obedience. If you you claim to be a follower of Jesus Mm -hmm. and are not in gospel-growing relationships, the Bible doesn't even have a clue as to what you are other than you're a fool. You're mm. not doing this thing God's way. Mm. And so to live in God's world God's way is to be in relationships that aren't based on the relationship. Mm. To be in relationships that are on mission based on your relationship with Jesus. Mm. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah, well said. I mean, I think the invitation of the local church is that it's not just that you're you're invited to have buddies is that you're invited into the most supernatural uh, god-fueled people in the history of the world there's nothing like the church she is unique in her design she is unique in her purpose and if you want to live the abundant life it is absolutely impossible for you to do that separated from having vibrant relationships inside the context of a mm-hmm. local church. Mm-hmm. And some churches call them, we call ours disciple groups, serve teams, mission trips, serving with our partners in the community. Mm-hmm. There's countless, countless ways for you to point your life mm-hmm. for the glory of God in the direction of the good of others. Mm-hmm. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're just trying to join groups to get friends out of it, then you're going to struggle. But mm -hmm. if you, that said, if you join groups or you join surf teams or you get plugged in for mm -hmm. the good of others and you're trying to be the friend mm -hmm. that you want to have, mm -hmm. yeah. it'll be amazing what happens as yeah. God draws those things in around you. Yeah, I think the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan would be some good advice on how to be a friend. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the, the, I mean, it was a different context, but the Pharisees are trying to draw lines of what they have to do and don't have to do in regards of what it means to be to love your neighbor. Well, who is my neighbor? Okay. And the whole point of the parable is, no, 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 no. Be neighborly. Don't be trying to figure out who to serve and not serve. Mm -hmm. and, then the, and then the fundamental thing there is that Jesus came and loved us, therefore... Mm -hmm. We love one another, right? But mm -hmm. if you read that that parable in light of being mm -hmm. a friend, it would help you a lot. Like, mm -hmm. are you the one that passes by because it gets hard, because it gets messy, because this person can't meet your needs, mm -hmm. or are you like the good Samaritan that mm -hmm. never once is trying to figure out what the beaten up person can do for him, mm -hmm. but he's just trying to, in the parable, love this person by mm -hmm. providing for them, protecting mm -hmm. them, and being promoting them. Yeah, it's the difference between being a consumer or a contributor, you know, like if you come at it to contribute, then it's amazing what that does. I was talking to a family at our North Jacks campus and the guy was sharing with me. He's like, man, we've been here a while. We've been coming. We were in a, a disciple group and he said, it didn't really click for me how I could have real community until I started serving, oh, yeah. you know, because I started serving on Nehemiah. Then all of a sudden I had the, these friends that I would see every week and we're on, we're on mission together. We're doing this thing together. And it was, a, it was a cool testimony of exactly what we're talking about. Uh, well, Pastor Joby, why don't you close us with any final words, and either you or maybe Pastor Britt close us in prayer. Well, again, the reason that we are to be friends is because we're creating the image of God like you preached, but also because Jesus is our friend. Yes. And because he calls us friends, we ought to be that kind of friend mm -hmm. to other people. So, yeah. And I want to thank you guys. You guys are my buddies and friends and yeah, co-laborers, yeah. all the things, man. It, it really is cool that we get to do this together. If you, if you were to peel back the curtain on how this place works, Mm -hmm. you would see almost no, like, authoritative, positional kind of stuff. It's it's like a bunch, every meeting we have, and we're doing big things. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. doing some things, man. But when you peel it back around the tables where we're discussing and making decisions, it's just all rooted in a bunch of friends getting to do this thing together. Mm -hmm. Just, I, I feel like for our city and hopefully the world, we're like the corner toters just picking up people's mats and trying to mm -hmm. get them to Jesus. And I and That's the good. guys that were doing that together were all friends, and they had a common purpose together, and that was to get their other friend to Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, same to you, man. My life is totally different in the best way because you're in it, mm -hmm. and it's been that way for a long time, mm -hmm. and ten year, almost ten years. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vinky and I can both sit here on the side of the table and just say we love Jesus more, we love our wives more, we love His church more. Uh, we're we're better in every category because you're our pastor for sure because you're our leader for sure but mostly because you're our friend mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I love you. Well, now you have to pray because I'm a cry. All yeah. right, <laughs> Father, we thank you. We thank you that friendship is your idea, and that we, because of Jesus, are your friend. And and Jesus, you. Um, who are we without you? The answer is nothing. And with you, we have everything. And so we uh, 
Uh, pray that you would help us to live in relationships with each other that are just full in a way that is God-glorifying and honoring. Uh, we pray that you would help our minds and our hearts to be filled with peace. We pray that our relationships would be filled with peace. They would use the kindness that we show to one another to be a demonstration of your kindness toward us and that that would lead people and us to repentance. And uh, Lord, we, I just pray that true friendships would be forged in our church mm. over the next season of ministry. Mm. I pray that there's a lot of people feeling lonely right now. Even those who call 1122 home, there's people who are battling against the ache of what they think they used mm. to have or something that they used to have. And God, I mm. pray that you would fill it with the people in this church and um, that we would truly experience the abundant life that can only come through you and through the relationships you put us in for your glory. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> the end. You nailed it. <laughs>